0: broadcasting live from a mansion this is the monstrous feminine the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror my name is Zeba, and i'm joined by my fake friends mila louisa and taya and this is our last episode covering horror games we're talking about the 2022 helena rain film bodies 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 if you'd like to hear one more bonus episode on this theme, head over to our Patreon and pledge. Before we get into the film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcasts app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast.
1: In this film, a newly sober 20-something named Sophie brings her new girlfriend B to meet her strange rich friends at a remote mansion where the group are partying. A hurricane traps the group at the house, and to pass the time, they decide to play a murder mystery game called Bodies, 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 where one of them is secretly a killer and the others have to guess who it is. Things take a turn for the worst, however, when one of the players actually turns up dead later in the night after the storm cuts the reception and the power. As they each accuse each other of murder, all of the friendships begin to unravel. He's gaslighting
2: me
1: you fucking trigger
2: me you are so toxic relax relax you're silencing me that all you got,
3: did you just fucking shoot me i can't believe you're making this about you so guys we're going to decide who would be which characters and then we'll call it out and see if there's a consensus on who's who i guess we can see who we think is the fakest
0: how our friendship falls apart live on the episode
3: I don't think any of us match any of the characters perfectly, but we can also choose more than one person.
1: Are we also choosing for ourselves or just for the other?
3: Yeah, for ourselves as well. The only person who I was able to pick like a singular character for so far has been me. (laughs) Okay. five, four.
2: Wait, are we sending it on one or?
3: Yeah, on one. Two, one. (laughs) Oh my god.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well... Mila, your choices are so oh, so funny. I'm gonna say my logic. Mila, I put you as Greg, and you also put yourself as Greg, and I just thought that would be like it. Like you would just you're, be you're like, off on your own, doing <laughs> something like not paying any attention. Zeba, I put you as Max because I thought you'd just show up the next day and be like, "Hello." <laughs> I put Taya, I put you as B and Jordan because I feel like you're the most no-nonsense person and they're the most no-nonsense-ish. I mean, all of these characters are fucking whack. They're the most serious to me in the sense of like having a game plan. Louisa, I put you as Alice. The sort of frantic energy
1: I can feel for you sometimes. Oh, I also put Louisa as, no, I I lied.
0: I did. I put Taya as Alice. Because I feel like um, you'd be most likely to make that speech at the end about how hard it is to make a podcast.
2: But I also see that for Louisa. I was going to say, that's going to be me because I'm the one who's like, it's so hard to manage the production schedule. It's true. Like no, it. you.
0: yeah, you're on the Google calendar.
2: I wrote Mila
1: as B. I'm surprised more people didn't. I put Mila as B as well. I knew when you said, I know who I'm going to put as Mila, I knew it would be B. What is the joke in the film that she's like a school shooter? She looks like she has secrets, but she actually doesn't. I think that's what I was going for.
3: I chose her because I was like, Mila's the most mysterious
2: that's why I put Greg, because I feel like Greg, you know nothing about him and that's why they kill him ultimately. I put Tyre as
1: the sword because just the idea of you being like involved in a funny death of Pete Davidson. I just feel like you'd be involved there. You think I would kill Pete
3: Davidson?
2: By accident. By his own hand. <laughs> so there are many layers. I wanna know why, Tyre, you picked me as Emma.
3: Because she seemed like a Libra. That's
2: fair. I almost pick Emma for myself.
3: When Sophie and Emma are in the hallway, she's like, "You think everyone's in love with you?" Emma was like, "She's a Libra." Zeba as Alice slash Sophie because I felt like Zeba would be most likely to, if we had like a group vacation, randomly bring like a guy who was like incredibly hot, like Lee Pace, but also who we knew absolutely nothing about but also would be the most likely to never respond to a group chat and say that she's coming somewhere.
0: I love your reasoning. That's actually such a read. That's actually such a read. I would not respond to the group chat and then just show up and be like, I was invited.
3: I chose myself as Jordan because I didn't fit anyone else. And I was like, well, I'm kind of organized. Organized Organizing my chaos. The Mantra's Feminine is on Twitter, so please give us a follow and leave us a little message. If you do engage with us on Twitter or our content, you might just get a shout out. And our next episode is our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week, is Cleber Mendocha Filho, who wrote us on Twitter in response to our post about Baccarat and said, I love listening to them discussing Baccarat. We're so appreciative and we were so excited when we saw this message from you. It made us so happy because we really enjoyed the film. And it means the world to us that you listened to it and you enjoyed what we had to say we look forward to seeing what you make in the industry your voice is so needed and so important and you're an incredible filmmaker so thank you friendly reminder that we are also on patreon for one pound a month you gain access to our discord For three pounds a month you get to hear a cut discussion for our main episodes and for five pounds you get all that plus a bonus episode please support us any contribution helps
2: Did you guys enjoy this film?
3: I did. It was a, a a weird experience going to see it. I saw it uh like the day it came out in theaters maybe seven people in the theater and it was like some very obvious gen z people and then there were like four middle-aged men who were definitely there to see girls covered in blood and that was kind of weird one of them was like the kills weren't even that interesting i was like um okay he was here to see girls die but the movie itself i felt like was fun And I think the ending, like the twist at the ending was not what I expected because the entire time I just kept going through who I thought was the killer. And I thought it was going to be like, the twist is that it was Sophie and she came there to kill them all or something like that. But the twist made it like very funny and a very direct hit of, I think, our generation, honestly, and the generation under us of how we kind of exaggerate things, jump to thinking the worst all the time, just because we're so exposed to having... A way to name things like sometimes a negative conversation that you have with people is like immediately like they were gaslighting me <laughs> maybe they weren't necessarily it's just like we have so many names for everything that it just turns like everything into a more exaggerated thing than it is there are definitely a lot of people who gaslight there's also a lot of people who use like gaslighting and narcissists and all these words incorrectly just because we have so much access to vocabulary to naming behaviors and everything yeah i think our generation is a little lost with that so i thought it was fine
2: I agree. I decided I liked the film. I went to see it with Mila, and sometimes it takes some time for it to marinate. I was having a good time watching it, don't get me wrong. I actually thought it was really funny. And as you know, I'm a little bit of a hater when it comes to things that are trying to be funny. But this I actually did find funny. I laughed at numerous points. I thought it was a good time. And I decided I liked it because I think it's a good Gen Z horror compared to like other woke horrors that I've seen. I think this one was good. I know it's kind of more of a parody than like a genuine like trying to be woke in horror. But I still think as a result, it's still like woke horror. I don't know. I think it was quite good for a criticism of like Gen Z. I think it's done that better than other horrors have, which have tried to be woke, even though they were trying to be woke in earnest. I think this went a better route it's like made for that generation, right? Like what do they talk about? They talk about narcissism, body dysmorphia, gaslighting, they talk about mental health, addiction, toxic masculinity. Like they talk about all these like key buzzwords. I thought it was a really good satire of like our generation and like very much sound by activism that TikTok encourages. Um so in that way I thought it was a good horror. I'm glad it went the route of a woke horror but making a parody of that because as we've spoken about I think in this podcast before Like when horror tries to be woke, it doesn't really land. It comes across as like really cringe because, in some ways, like horror isn't a PC thing. Like that line that she says, like, oh, like you can't say psycho, that's so ableist. Like I thought that was really funny. And it is kind of like that. Like it's very hard to use these kind of buzzwords in horror and make it sound like believable or genuine because horror in itself, like if people are dying, like you're not going to have good people in the center really necessarily. You're not going to have like nice characters or like socially woke characters. Like, and horror is based on, like, our societal fears. So it's going to be difficult to make something that uses, like, the perfect terminology or something. Like, I think when other films have done it, it's been a bit cringe. And I, I'm thinking of, like, the Craft remake. I'm thinking of, like, the Black Christmas remake. I'm thinking of They Slash Them more recently. Like, they just tend to be a bit cringe. Whereas I think this was more parodying that. So it subverted that cringe criticism quite nicely. I thought it was funny.
0: I hee heed and ha ha I went a little later and after it had come out. So the theater I went to was like pretty busy, honestly. And I feel like the crowd was like mixed, like Gen Z, you know, lots of like teens. I feel like if this had come out when I was like a teenager, it'd be like cult classic. I feel like maybe I'd hate it if I like saw too much of myself reflected in it. That that kind of cringe. But yeah, I felt more parody than horror in parts i mean the kills were were cool but they weren't particularly like gory or bloody and it didn't fall into like horror tropes it felt like a whodunit with some horror elements and maybe like making fun
1: of some horror tropes i didn't have the best time i think i just didn't like the middle i liked the beginning and the end but i like did not enjoy the process getting to that point sometimes it felt like the characters would too much like mouthpieces for the script it treaded water a little bit in between like them being genuine characters in like a serious horror film and then it being like an all-in-out parody because like some of the characters really well fleshed out but then like they say something that was I mean the sort of like confrontation when Alice has her breakdown by the podcast that whole scene like sometimes what they're saying like the whole like you can't say psycho, it's a list. It just like sounded too like it was picked out of TikTok comments. I just felt like I was kind of dragged out of the experience by that.
2: So you said that it sounds like some of the lines are taken from TikTok comments and it's that kind of brought you out of it. I completely agree, but I also think it was very deliberate. Like I think that like middle to end kind of climax scene where they are all like arguing and and stuff, and it is very, like, TikTok activism buzzwords, that to me felt like the most inauthentic conversation, but I think that was, like, the point, like, to me, it just kind of drew attention to the fact that people are using this language and not necessarily being in earnest, like, I think this film is about, like, how performative... People are that generation can sometimes be because it's impossible to understand all the concepts that they're sometimes like talking about. Of course, they're all quite hypocritical. Like one like point that I kind of thought was interesting was when they're talking about whether or not David has a gun in his house and Sophie says, no, no, like David's a dick, but his politics check out as in he wouldn't have a gun. But then, of course, he ended up, his family do end up having a gun. And it did to me was like, see, I think this film is about like that performative wokeness that someone can appear a certain way and say all the right words. But of course, they can also have like kind of conservative views, like e.g. like uh, David. But then apart from that, it can also just be like how people are using this language and not understanding the deeper meaning and the implications of that. It's, It's a bit more of a shallow political understanding. I think that conversation, that argument in the middle, was emblematic of that like it felt really inauthentic and like not believable dialogue but for me that kind of felt like the point the fact that they they don't sound believable when they're speaking because actually they're all kind of terrible people right like everyone in this film is terrible so it doesn't really sound like they would be the most caring people societally if that makes sense like caring about on a society level if they can't even make their friendships work
3: yeah, I think that is also highlighted when Emma and David are having the argument when they first play the first round of Bodies, 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 and they're trying to figure out who's the killer. And he says, him and her start arguing. He says, like, you don't have an original thought in your brain. It's just recycled shit from like TikTok and Twitter. There's not an original thought out there. Like, I think that is something a lot of people think about Gen Z people in general, but also when she said that his politics check out so he doesn't have a gun, I was like, I don't think having a gun necessarily has anything to do with politics. I think the people who make guns, their entire personality tend to be on one political spectrum. I mean, maybe it's because of the area that I'm from in the South. It's not unusual for me to have friends who are left-leaning but their parents have guns in the house for protection but it doesn't necessarily indicate that they're like MAGA people but I definitely think like sometimes people have like these connotations of what you can do or what you can have and be a certain way but I feel like that's a very boxed way to view the world no one is going to fit into every single part of being leftist or right-wing or whatever there there's always going to be some exception to make you think that a person is different than they really are because people aren't made to fit in a box. So the gun thing, I was like, girl, his parents live in this huge house and you think they have no gun?
2: I think he was closer to somebody who might be a bit more conservative in, like, how he spoke. Because he was also revealed to be a bit, like, misogynistic, right? Like, just a bit of an ass in general. So I don't even know why she said his politics check out. For me, that's why it seemed like he's performative in a way, but is actually maybe more conservative or, like, rightly. I don't
3: know, because I feel like I've met a lot of leftist guys. Like, I'm going to bring the entire situation that happened with Sydney Sweeney recently on social media. The amount of men who are leftist who use that situation to be like violently misogynist towards her and there were a bunch of women responding to it being like how did you use her parents politics as a way to sexualize her like people don't necessarily call out men who agree with them politically on being violent misogynist or sexualization as much as they would someone who they disagree with because you assume that person to be safe
1: after hearing louise and ty talk more about like approaching the satire head-on as a way to just like really emphasize how performative and superficial a lot of the way young people talk about politics is. I get that and I appreciate it more often hearing you talk about it. I think that I, beginning the film, felt the characters, the actors, like the general setup of the film felt more genuine and it felt like real young people, 20-somethings. And then as the film developed the satire more... It felt more like out of body and just like a little bit too gimmicky at that scene near the end. The like confrontation. I think that's just like why I checked out a bit. Like, I understand the intention behind it. Like, it was spot on, like what they were commenting on. I just like, I don't think they continue to balance out like the characters being well rounded with the, the satirical voice underneath it. Like, I feel like it kind of forgot that in favor of having something to say, which, like, is fine. I like didn't not like it i just think i felt quite indifferent to it as i was watching it and it felt like sludging through the middle for the payoff at the end which to be fair was worth it david's character for example undermining emma emma's intelligence and like emotional intelligence and just critical thought in terms of when she like tries to accuse him of gaslighting there are those little red flags with those like self-professed leftist guys if you try to stand up for yourself if they're like that aggressive back being like oh you don't even know what gaslighting is which is ironic you know everybody's overusing the label which to be fair like across the board people are but it's like hiding behind that argument as a way to continue misogynistic
3: behavior especially in a relationship even how like they acted towards the fact that they thought greg was like a vet in the terms of he was out in the military and they were like he's the dangerous one it was like but greg has been very respectful to all of them there is a association of military people being quite conservative but out of the two of them david the entire night had been a lot more aggressive he was like peacocking in front of greg because he felt like threatened that he was buffer and taller or whatever but greg was like very respectful he was very chill he never did anything that was out of line but they were sooner to think that he was a murderer than they were to think that david was just dumb just because they were like but she said he was a vet so yeah he totally probably did kill david and david was the one who was aggressive to him the entire time so it wouldn't have made
2: sense i thought greg would be the most likely simply because she met him two weeks ago and he's like this older guy and not gonna lie like i'm not too sure what the age gap was but it i don't know about it, it if was my a bit...
3: friend strolled up dating lee pace i would say good for you
2: that's fine but i mean like i too would immediately assume this like guy that's she's known for two weeks off tinder is the killer like regardless of the vet thing it was just some like red
0: herring but the way that they didn't address that age gap or that relationship dynamic at all was really funny to me like I think it's very realistic that like okay your friend brings some guy who's like wildly inappropriate but you just don't say anything about it I feel like I would totally do that for somebody who is not like my very very close best friend if it's somebody who I like I don't know I like party with or I hang out with or it's like a friend of a friend I'm absolutely not saying that you're boyfriend looks like somebody's dad or the substitute teacher like that's just not my place if we're in a situation where there's a murderer afoot that's when
3: I step up and I start saying something
2: he's a Libra moon that says a lot what
1: does
3: that say a Libra moon would not be a killer though if she would have said he was an Aries moon I would have been like that's him I feel like it's funny that we keep saying that the argument they had was like so unrealistic but when they had that argument and they were saying stuff there were like certain things that they said that I was like (laughs) genuinely laughing at because it's like stuff that I feel like are relatable to us. Like when they told Jordan, they were like, you're not even poor. Both your parents are professors. And she was like, it's public. I was surprised because it just felt like a very
1: English conversation, especially within the middle class bracket.
3: I think nowadays people in like the ether rich days, air bunnies, I think people do like the ideal of not being upper class or claiming upper class because of the connotations of all the privileges they have they're a lot more like love to claim oppression
0: i saw that conversation as like they don't like americans don't pay attention to class until it comes to like a, a head like that like that's when everybody's like like now we have to talk about our actual hierarchy they even made a comment about like oh well david's like rich rich but like we're not like you could kind of see that in the house like I imagine that they don't all have like summer homes like that to go to like there was some sort of difference between them but in the end it like didn't matter had nothing to do with who would have murdered whom in the end but that it seemed like that was something that they went unspoken in their friendship forever and ever and ever and then all of a sudden it came to a head Mila said that that sort of like three quarters to the end confrontation felt like the least realistic part of it where they're like throwing out things that feel like a fight in the TikTok comments. To me, that felt the most realistic. A, because people literally would, their friendship would fall apart in TikTok comments like that. Like you can totally see that happening. But also I know a lot of friend groups, not my friends, bless me in my situation. Who do not like each other. There are whole friend groups who for years and years and years, they're just friends to take photos together. They're just friends to have somebody to like go on vacation with or to party with because they're supposed to be friends and they have too many mutual friends and you can't, you can no longer talk bad about that person. Like people with all this like deep seated underlying drama where i'm like this is how this would come to a head like maybe not in such a dramatic fashion as somebody dying but like all those comments started coming out in that fight where i was like this is stuff you meant to say to each other for the past like who knows how many years and i think that is what like made that scene really satisfying to me
2: one thing i was struggling with Zeba, like you think the the friendships are realistic one thing i was struggling with was like do people really despise each other are these realistic characters and then i was like to be fair i just don't know rich people like i don't know people who like have their friends as like an accessory so much i feel like this is perhaps something that might happen for people who have like this much money i definitely have observed that and i didn't
0: i haven't made the connection that it was rich people but it was rich people who be having fake friends sorry to the rich community you know how many movies we've watched where it's been teenagers and we're like, why weren't they just slightly older? I think this is this type of situation where they actually did age them up to compensate for like maybe some like sexual or like other stuff that would be happening on screen. Because like these are conversations that teenagers would have. Like these are the kind of fights you have with your 15 and 16 and 17 year old friends or even your 19 year old friends. But I do think they were aged up to be in their mid 20s to deal with the fact that like, like exactly that we have said before and had complaints about. We're like, gosh, why weren't they in college? Or why weren't they in their 20s? Or why are there no movies about people in their mid-20s? I think this was an instance of that. But the conversations were slightly, like, immature, I think, because the theater was
2: full of teenagers. And I think it was a movie for teenagers in the end. One major criticism of this film, my most serious and major criticism, is that they didn't have the song Slumber Party in it. And I really think they should have.
3: What's the song Slumber Party?
2: Me and Jen- girlfriend play and dress up in my house. That song seems like blush. It's like
0: scandalized. <laughs> my girlfriend? I don't think so.
2: My actual only criticism of the film, I think. It's like such the easy horror criticism, which is just some characterization points. I feel like I would have wanted a little bit more... Backstory to particularly I think Jordan as a character. Like they just all of a sudden got really pissed at Jordan and was like, You're so organized, you can't do any. And I was like, I did not get this about this girl at all. Like it just like it's like set in the argument, and you see no evidence of that prior. Well, we wouldn't
3: see her making Excel worksheets.
2: No, no, no. But I mean like she didn't give like like you can make you can make a character seem like really anal about something but they didn't like do that prior so i was like okay but also like she was also really weirdly sexual i did not get why she was that sexual like if she really wanted to fuck amandala like female competition well first of all there's female competition between the the queers (laughs) with uh, the sophie jordan and b and that was kind of odd Obviously, this is a point about like fake friends and like shallow friendships and shallow relationships. So I I feel like it was realistic in that setting. But yeah, there was still a lot of female competition, particularly the Alice and Greg one. Because I was like, where did that even come from? Like, She spoke to that man for two minutes and Alice was like, you want to fuck Greg? I was like,
1: whoa. Listen, we all want to fuck Greg. That is true. Yeah. I don't. Louisa, you do on some level want to fuck Greg. (laughs) You need to accept that into your heart. It's just a deeper level than the rest of us.
2: There was a review that Aurora Amadan for Paste Magazine said, and it was like, kind of how I feel about Gen Z movie category, but it said, I know what you're thinking. Films about Gen Z are more often than not cloying on the nose and condescending. Not this one. In Bodies, Rain manages to hold her finger on the pulse of a group of wealthy chronically online and inordinately woke early 20-somethings while keeping the action surprising and the characters sympathetic the whole way. I don't know if I think the characters are necessarily sympathetic. I would would kind of maybe stay away from that one. I think the point is that they're not sympathetic. However, I do think that that was like an apt point comparison to make to Gen Z horror. Like I do think this one is like ironically the ones I think one of the comments we commented on, like say I think it was the Craft remake, was that it felt like it was a movie written for Gen Zs, but so obviously not by somebody who understood the generation. It was kind of like that meme of like, how are you doing fellow kids kind of thing, where it, it felt a little bit like a gap between what I think a Gen Z audience might relate to, whereas this felt more on the pulse or current in the sense that this does feel like a film that Gen Z's would find amusing. And also I think I relate to it as well, like I'm not saying it's exclusively Gen Z, I think Cusp or like young millennials might also relate to this kind of online terminology and all that kind of stuff. Can we talk about the Lena Wilson New York Times review? So for anyone who doesn't know, Lena Wilson, a New York Times writer, reviewed Bodies, Bodies, Bodies negatively and said, the only thing that really sets Bodies, Bodies, Bodies apart is its place in the A24 hype machine, where it doubles as a 95-minute advertisement for cleavage and Charlie XAX's latest single. And then Amandala then slid in her DMs and said along the lines of maybe if you spent less time looking at my boobs and watching the movie, you would have got it or something like that. Lena then posted the interaction on Twitter and TikTok and essentially accused Amanda of being like homophobic because she only said that because Lena is like queer. If I said something about cleavage in a review and Amandala uh, Instagram DM'd me and said, why are you watching my boobies? I would be like, yeah bet i would not then take to twitter and be like i am am a victim of gay on gay crime like it was so ridiculous
3: she's like the social power as if she didn't Yam her privately, and then asked what power
2: you took it to Twitter, and then you got like some sort of pile on from Amanda fans. It's like you look goofy as a reviewer who like gets
0: whatever early access, who gets to like sort of set the tone for how people are going to be watching something. It also like ruined a little bit of the movie watching experience for me, and I'm sure other people. Like I sat down to that, see, I'm like, all right. Let's see some tits, because that's what I, that's what I, all anybody has been talking about in regards to this movie is like, is there is there not excessive cleavage? There was boobs, I'll admit, and I did look upon them. But that being said, I don't think it was excessive. I don't think it was.
3: And Lena was definitely referring to like a manless. Because Amanda has like a, a larger chest than the rest of the female cast. And that sucks because I definitely relate to that. It is very hard to have big boobs and not have cleavage in a shirt. But that does not mean that the shirt is for cleavage. They're
2: a bunch of like rich party girls. Like this was reflective of, I thought, the friendship group. Like I, I didn't really get it.
3: And it's annoying because it shouldn't be like such an emphasis on her body. The character in itself never had any like provocative clothing on even if she did it shouldn't have been the focus of the review but to reduce it down to like 95 minute advertisement for cleavage just because she has big boobs like Amanda's also a young actress who's had to endure this like a lot of the time where people have commented on her having a big chest and it's really messed up i didn't do a deep dive i literally had to look the
0: next video that she posted after her takedown of amandala was about how she was super excited to be going to a screening of Jennifer's body because she's a huge Jennifer's body fan. And I'm like, how is it possible that you understand the irony of Jennifer's body enough to be a huge fan of it and understand that Megan Fox was cast in that role simply because she had been sexualized for her body in every role prior and understand that she was cast in this role like to comment on women in horror movies, the use of women's bodies in horror movies. Like if you are, if you are a self-proclaimed fan of Jennifer's body, I don't understand how you write a review like that, because that just tells me that you either got your takes from everybody
3: else and were told what to like and don't know
0: what to do with an early
3: screener to have to have your own opinion. I think she was always going to hate this movie based on the fact that she just is biased against the distributor. I think that's the case. It's a very exclusionary take. And if people like A24 films or like neon films, or even if they love Netflix films or whatever, I just like for people to watch movies. I think they're great. I think more movies should be made, especially by people who don't have massive budgets and have great, interesting things to say and make indie film. In terms of which film is better between Bodies, 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 and Jennifer's Body, they're very similar. <laughs> I don't see how you can hate one and like the other if you really enjoy like the satire and commentary on culture. Like I don't, I don't know. I think it was more of like a, a personal gatekeepy stance of like I'm gonna just hate this because of who it came
2: from. We could like also read some of. Other point that Lena made, so that because there were obviously other points in this review, and I think some of them were somewhat interesting, like what Lena said otherwise. For example, she said, this could be a scathing scatire. Instead, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is so intent on oozing cool kid apathy that it serves up a whole lot of nothing. Dot, dot, dot. I skipped ahead. But these privileged prats get their comeuppance, sure. But the moral lands with a whimper rather than a bang. This was little more than a movie about terrible rich people that was made so other rich people could laugh at it and think, thank God I'm not terrible. So I thought that was an interesting point about like, do you think this film would make the people who it's mocking reflect because we talk about that a lot when we do reviews of like we don't think this would land because we don't think that the audience would be reflective when they watch it but then I don't know in fact I'm almost tempted to say that in this instance as a satire it is quite rare that the people who are being like satirically depicted would know like that's the point like the people in the satire aren't really in the know it's the people who can recognize it as a satire because they recognize those other people. So I I didn't really know if I agreed with that point as well, even though this was more of a serious point that she was making as opposed to the cleavage comment. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I think when we've made that comment, it hasn't been about a film that's a satire. It's been about a film in general. Uh, But this specifically being a satire, I was like, well, I'm not sure that people who are being satirized like ever have that much reflection to be able to recognize that they're being satires. I'm not sure.
3: A podcast takes a lot of work. Okay? You have to organize the guests, you have to do a Google Calendar, and you build a following. It takes a long fucking time!
1: Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at The MonFemPod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on TikTok at The Monstrous Feminine Pod for podcast clips and more fun. Brooms up, witches out.